Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. The Mrs. Bradley Mysteries. Welcome back to Streaming in Place. I am, I didn't plan this, um, American banking heiress with terrible cigarette bumming habits, Allison Shoemaker, uh, joined as ever by my faithful chauffeur, Kate Kulzik. Hell yeah. And um, the the person who drew a sketch of my faithful for chauffeur, Scotty Caldwell, joining us, which is so exciting. Uh, I'm off my game. Was, <laughs> no, this is delightful. Was, I'm super on board. Subpar, subpar. I'm very excited to be the chauffeur. It's a good role. Well, I cannot wait to talk about George because I love George. Uh, we are talking about George from Mrs. Bradley's Mysteries, the Mrs. Bradley Mysteries, the Mrs. Bradley Mysteries, uh, a series that's new to all three of us. Um, uh, a, a BBC joint starring Dame Diana Rigg and a bunch of people who either got famous or didn't, um, depending on who they are, I guess. And also a couple of people who are already famous, Peter Davison, come on. Um, and I'm so excited to talk about these because it really feels like like proto Miss Fisher. Um, which oh my is gosh, totally. super fun, super fun for me. Um, I just, I had the best time watching it. Uh, and I'm curious to know, first impressions, what, uh, let's start with you, Kate. What did you think about our, our new friend, the lady detective, Mrs. Bradley? Well, we talked about this last time, but, you know, several things about this just instantly tick off the list, like wheelhouse, stuff that the three of us all enjoy. Um, but the thing I was not expecting was when uh, Dame Diana Rigg turns to camera and I'm like, oh, there are sides. Yes! We're flea bagging it! Yeah! We, we, ac- we being my beloved roommate of, I don't know, six years, Michael and I have been roomies. Um, we love an independent lady in olden times in amazing clothes solving crimes. Um, so this is aggressively in our wheelhouse. But we somehow accidentally started with episode two instead of episode one, like no big deal, whatever. But Michael had already seen episode one. And she turned to the camera and I went, <gasps> direct address is happening. And he just started <laughs> laughing. <laughs> I was thrilled that Dame Diana was speaking to me about solving crimes. It was wonderful. What a great surprise. More detective shows with direct address, please. Yeah, It's just such a great way to get those cheeky asides that like you can't really get in the same way with George. Like you get some of that with George, but like she needs someone to tell that to and you either have to bend over backwards to find who that person's going to be in every episode um or eh, screw it she'll tell the camera and that's way more fun so yeah very on board uh, i had a lot of fun with this uh, i was texting allison uh, scotty while i was watching the first time and i was very excited for the various thing and and then like oh, it's baby russell tovey i was like i like paused it i'm like that's that's russell Tovey, right that that is right be so young and yes. then i searched it and it was it's like with two lines and it's like they have the, the the lineup of all of like the staff later and it's like a bunch of actors who i'm sure are terrific but who i don't know and then russell tovey at the end i'm like give him more lines no not not <laughs> yet not yet not for another decade or whatever okay okay um <laughs> but uh yeah no it was just absolutely fun yes there are moments that are kind of groany or creaky it's very much of its time, right? It's very much exactly what you expect it to be, but I love that shit, so I was very on board. Yeah, I I agree. Scotty, what about you? Thoughts on 
first of all, thoughts on baby Russell Toby. My, I apparently have a pattern with Scotty Caldwell, which is that we watch things with surprise Russell Toby in them because she <laughs> didn't expect Russell Toby to show up when we were waking our way through Legends either. So, uh, yeah, thoughts on Mrs. Bradley and baby Russell Toby. Um, so hilariously, Allison texted me this morning while she was watching Mrs. Bradley and uh, loved the direct address. I actually, it's kind of hilarious that we watched episode one second um, because we had already been introduced to her and the character and George and their their dynamic. And so then to realize that they're just cool as a cucumber, the way they do in both episodes, going somewhere in the car while she's reading the paper and it ends up being her husband's funeral, her <laughs> ex-husband's funeral, hilarious. Um, yeah, baby Russell Tovey absolutely freaked out. Um, some stuff is ridiculous like both I think both murders have plot holes that are like yeah what I could drive a car through them as the chauffeur yeah yeah (laughs) ding um but so fun uh the adjective that I have for her hats is uncompromising that's it's the only word I can think of to describe her hats I love it (laughs) (laughs) the only problem is that there's only like five episodes yeah we bought the whole season (laughs) like well might as well own this uh yeah i i agree i look forward to watching the rest of these i mean we're two for two on this week on great lady detective shows with long pilots and too few episodes Mm -hmm. um and like a great male character who drives who in one is a love interest and in the other is not. Um, Though, very, like, I mean, obviously. I mean, who knows? Obviously, like, I'm going to bleep this, but obviously they fuck, right? Like, they were very clear with that with the lapel thing at the end. Oh, I didn't catch that. Did she dust off his lapel? Oh, yeah, she did. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah! That's even better because I don't ship it. When that I happened, just I want like, them to Whoop. have sex whenever they want. <laughs> yeah. Whenever they want. They just yep. both. They both seem really comfortable with themselves and with each other. Mm-hmm. And um, George is a sport and a half. He just, like, I think, I feel like stereotypically a lot of these mysteries exist in the milieu of a very proper British whatever. And like, oh, I can't believe you were sleeping with whoever. We're all, we're all very like hung up. And George was like, I could take my clothes off before these young ladies so they could draw my picture. No problem. Like, I feel like George would have done it even if it weren't for the case, you know? Mm-hmm. He just, they seem really comfortable with themselves and each other. It's nice. Well, and they're not looking for anything serious, you know, right? Huh. He's clearly, he's got his backstory with his ex, right? She's got hers. They're just, you know, there's there's a bit of an age gap thing. They're just having, you know, they they just are kindred spirits, having fun, um, in you know, very different roles, obviously. But yeah, no, it's it's delightful. Uh, can we talk about how much her son sucks, even though we only see him in one scene? Like, how do you have a mother like that and age past, let's say, twenty two, like past the point of even if you're sort of like a like a prolonged adolescence type, past the point where you can be embarrassed by your mother. 
how on earth are you like, mm, no, you, the most fabulous creature on the planet, <laughs> don't like, meh, uh, because he sucks. Uh, I think I knew for sure that I was in love with the show even before the director dress, which is when she was strewing his coffin with cigars and they were just going like, on the top of the coffin. And then we had all that chat about Freud and like, sometimes uh, a cigar is just a cigar you know it just really uh it it delighted me uh but yeah her son sucks yeah yeah well you know you can't have everything and sometimes you just get a son who's a lawyer right like she says children have to disappoint their their, their parents it's how it goes um and i but i like like uh, if this had run longer i feel like the they would have become recurring characters and i feel like on, when, when the character came back we would actually really like the son's wife Yes. This is the sense I get. So, like, he's a bit of a stick in the mud, but I think based on how, like, you can tell she wants, like, your mom is so cool, I want her to like me, <laughs> um, that he married well is the sense I get. Um, and he married more interestingly than himself. Mm. When she says she's terrified we're going to make her a grandmother, <laughs> like, you are sharp. I like you. <laughs> That's a that's a that's a fine observation, young lady. Hermione was that her name? I don't remember. Oh, I don't I, remember. I love a Hermione, regardless. Sure. Um, great. So let's talk first about Speedy Death. Um, it's, the title's a bit of a spoiler, uh, which I think had some good twists, absolutely plot holes. But I was because I was texting as I was watching, as I want to do. I just kept specifically texting Scotty all of my guesses because I didn't want to text Kate my guesses. Um, I don't know why you had already watched it, but for some reason I didn't want to text you my guesses. So I kept being like saving it for the pod, you know? Yes. I kept being like, it's, Oh, it's the dad. Oh, it's the housekeeper. Oh, it's, but, but, but it's obviously not the shitty not boyfriend because it's too transparent that he is actually boning what's her face because of yeah. the sleep mask and the whole thing. And I think a, a mark of a good mystery, even with giant potholes, which admittedly there are, is when everybody seems plausible and you feel like you have sussed it out. I, and that absolutely, with the first one at least, that absolutely happened for me. How did we yeah. feel about the mystery? I, I, lots of twists, which I liked and they didn't seem, um, like shoehorned in. There was some, some, some more complexity to the dynamics going on. Um, I remember the moment I realized who it was and thought, oh, I should have, I should have seen this because it seems like the only person it couldn't be. Um, and, uh, but, but the really, uh, both in both episodes, uh, we realized that that sexual jealousy. I don't know what the rest of the series is like, but both of the crimes, as befitting Dame Diana's career as like a, I guess a mystery salt criminologist and psychologist, um, like sexual jealousy is a is a major theme in both of the the mysteries. But I still found uh, my biggest thing that I like squawked about last night for about 30 minutes after we finished watching the show, we will get to, so I will save it. Um, but even with some, like the, the sinister housekeeper didn't do it, but you were correct in thinking that she was sinister and possibly up to something, for example. And that was enjoyable. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I feel like we got to talk about the trans representation, which yes. I was yeah. not anticipating. Well, and as soon as they like, well, first of all, we say, I say the trans representation, the trans character um, is not identified as such by themselves or anyone else, mm-hmm. but uh, also is killed immediately. Yeah. Uh, but the only reason we find out that they're trans is because, because they're dead because that was their secret you know, yeah no one else to know and they weren't killed for for being for trans. being trans yeah yeah um but as soon as that was introduced i was like oh oh no oh no this is from the 90s uh me too but then they use he him pronouns for the rest of the episode for that character they have a thoughtful um and uh and really i think respectful reflection between the characters as to why he was, you know, living in this way and why he was, was, uh, you know, getting married and uh, proposing to someone who, you know, theoretically didn't know. Um, and, and I, I like, what a way to introduce your Mrs. Bradley, your main character by having her, her be like, well, there's lots of reasons that someone would do this. And she's not shocked. She's not flapped. And she's very like respectful and, uh, like for the time period, generous, with her reflections on it. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. But throughout the whole episode, I was just sitting there like going, oh no, oh no, is this the scene that they screwed up? And I thought that, you know, especially considering when it was made and everything, I think they did a pretty good job. Oh, I agree. I, for something that was made more than 20 years ago, um, I was honestly shocked by how, how well it was handled, which does not mean there weren't missteps, right? And if this if this episode were being made today, Hopefully it would be handled very differently. But um, I was also immediately struck by the continued use of he, him pronouns and by the fact that um, that Mrs. Bradley seems to be sort of leading by example, I guess, right? Like modeling yeah. this behavior for the other characters. And when we see people being snide about it, it is obviously intended to be snide. We are meant to think it's cruel when they're laughing at the funeral. Right, yeah. um, you're not meant to think like, oh, the audience is laughing with us. Yes, or, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the I audience. think, and maybe this is, but we'll want come back to this mystery. But just because these feel a little bit related, um, I think the same is true of the discussion of sexuality in the second episode, where it's not perfect. But given the time period, it could have been, when it was made, it could have been a lot worse, a lot more lurid, um, a lot more sort of um, gay panicky. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, the approach, I think, is is more far more progressive than I anticipated because I had the same reaction as you Kate in the first episode I was like oh god this is gonna be I made a terrible mistake this is gonna be so bad and then I did that again when somebody when I think it was she was the first person to use it when she tossed out the word lesbian I was like oh my god oh no this is gonna be so and then you know what like for 1998 really not Mm -hmm. bad like a b plus yeah and um and I like that the show is very, the show meaning, I guess, Mrs. Bradley and her character speaks very rightly about like trans people are real. Here's how they live. Like here are historical examples. Like she's not, uh, there's, there's a sense of like, they may be rare, but they are not wrong. They may be um, secret, but not shameful. She's very like um, helping uh, uh, what am I trying to say? I think you really see that she's like, oh, like a scholar and a scientist 
and really understands people. And um, yeah, for I don't know why I keep saying for the 90s because the show is set in the 20s and um, uh, mysteries from that era are not always uh, uh, progressive, shall we say, um, when it comes to these kinds of matters. I think there's such a gap in um, society's understanding of how trans people have always existed. And uh, I love that the show puts that in context. Like Mrs. Bradley is ready with the name of, of men and women and uh, non-binary people who have lived in England, in other countries, like, yeah. yeah. She, she doesn't have to think about it. She doesn't have to, I remember yeah. hearing once, she's like, example, this is not mm -hmm. new. This is not, you know, mm -hmm. this, you know, it's, it may not be something that these, this group of people have run into previously in their experience, but they also have a very limited and specific experience. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and it also immediately sets her apart from them because she has sought out information about all sorts of different types of people from different time periods and living very different kinds of lives. And I also think talking about the second episode, like just the, the fact it, it just is a statement on the representation or lack thereof in most of the media that, that at least that I have seen um that when they're like oh this character is bi and they're not shaming her oh that's awesome yeah. <laughs> like she's involved with this woman and she's involved with this man and it's just sort of like a oh maybe she was involved with both of them that would explain some things and like and that's it like and then we move on and like that's our motivating instigating part of our plot but it's not something to revel in. It's not something to titillate. It's just like, oh, we hadn't thought of that. Ah, oh, that explains some things. And from there, you know, yeah. and, and there also then isn't like a, like a let's examine and like interrogate the sexual history of these characters. Does, you know, does her, does her male lover know about her, her female lover? Like, it's like, they don't, that's not the point. That's not why the characters are there. And it's very much the show is in Mrs. Bradley's point of view and her perspective and George's as well. But she's, you know, like you said, Elson, she leads by example and the show is very much with her. And so it's like, this is something we need to like look at for motive and for what's happening to get a better picture of what the dynamics are in this boarding house. But mm -hmm. also I, I, she's very much the sense of like, I went to boarding school. Do you think there weren't lesbians at my boarding school? Of course there were. There have always been lesbians at boarding schools. He called it having a pash. Yeah. 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 That's such a good point, Kate, because I remember when I, I think in the 90s, so when I was in middle school and high school and college, and even when I first got to Chicago, I feel like I saw a lot of plays and a lot of shows where like the central drama was outing the queer mm -hmm. and it was like the deep the deep secret that no one can know and and I remember like being in my early 20s being like wait a minute I this isn't working for me why oh because the whole point of this is like <gasps> there's shameful secret and then that's it and I was like this these kinds of stories are not serving me at all mm -hmm. and I think you nailed it like the point of these mysteries is not to out the queers it's mm -hmm. to understand people and help them well and speaking of 
buttering your bread on both sides. One of the things that I appreciated <laughs> about it, and let's get back to, first of all, I'm, that's how I'm going to refer to myself from now on. I definitely <laughs> butter my bread on both sides. Um, but when, uh, before we get back to the actual mysteries, the last thing that I want to say is that I really appreciate that in addition to not sensationalizing these pieces of it, they're also not patting themselves on the back, which is the other extreme. Mm. And and those those two extremes also often go hand in hand, right? Where it's like, we're so progressive because we're telling this story about misery, misery, and everybody else is gonna get preached to except for our one character who deigns to understand the queer experience, but is not actually queer, right? That, that is yeah. also pretty insidious. And Kate, I, Kate, Scotty, I also remember around the time I moved to Chicago, seeing a lot of theater that was like, and uh, the Laramie Project is actually not a great example of this because that's mm -hmm. docu-theater and was hugely important and influential and yeah, but around the time that the Laramie Project really became a big hit, it seemed like a lot of other plays about the misery of queer people mm -hmm. sort of burst onto the scene, right? Even plays that are really accomplished, like Six Degrees of Separation is a, like a, a very entertaining play that is all about the shameful secret. And when people start to sort of pat themselves on the back for being so thoughtful, it, it's incredibly condescending. And I appreciate that that's a, because I love Miss Fisher, but every once in a while, Miss Fisher would be just a little bit, I'm the woke one about what was happening. And here it's just, she's a scientist. She always talks about it like she's a scientist. And when she puts on her very subtle, extremely British judgment face, which only happens every once in a while. But when she puts it on, it's never because of somebody's, I don't know, sexual inclinations of any kind. It's always like, you're an asshole. <laughs> like when she <laughs> you're being gives a them, dick. <laughs> when she gives all four of our married folks at the end of the first episode that look as they're talking about going on their joint honeymoon I was like you had better be shriveling inside it's so subtle but I hope you felt it in your bones like yes she's Dorothy is very clever what a brilliant idea you all deserve each other <laughs> just terrible people that brother is the worst oh that when when the banking heiress and her fabulous head wrap gets in the car and asks George for a cigarette and he says, oh, I only have one left. She's like, that's fine. I only need one. It's like, you suck. You <laughs> are just the worst. Well, it's, it's such an efficient way for us to know that too. Because that, yes. till that point, we haven't really gotten much of a sense of her. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm good. I know everything I need. Yep, Absolutely. Well, we should talk a little bit more about both these cases before we run out of time. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and the other thing that I love about the ending of that for, of the pilot of Speedy Death is when it, it reminded me actually of the end of uh, the number one latest detective agency uh, pilot, where like the guy still shows up at the the orphanage, right, and he's like still part of the community. Uh, and she's still at the wedding, right, because this is still <laughs> one of her old friends. She only has so many of them. You you you. I do get the strong sense of like, yes, he's nowhere near as awesome as I am, but no one is. And, you know, there's only so many people, you know, like in our, in our circles. So, you know, he's going to get over the fact <laughs> that all, like I'm involved in all of this stuff around the death of his daughter and, and all these other things. And I'm going to get over his inelegant pass at me. Um, and, <laughs> and, and the fact that his family is terrible. Um, <laughs> because yes, you know, there's only 
there's only so many lifelong friends you have and you have to decide whether they're worth keeping and this and he and she decides that he is worth keeping um that like just having her at the wedding at the end i was like oh that tells me so much i love it mm-hmm. the scene at the end that i really liked was the conversation between mrs bradley uh adela adela mm-hmm. adela, adela. Mm-hmm. uh and the housekeeper which I thought was I thought was surprisingly effective, right? Like the housekeeper was such a caricature through the entire episode, but that actress really earned her paycheck in that one in that one scene with the yeah. cam- when the camera pulls in on the harp and we know that the harp was hers, all of that shit. Just I thought that was a lovely little um, denouement for that particular mystery. Is there anything else you want to say about Speedy Death? Yes. Um, okay, so. Um, oh, plot holes. Yeah. Okay. So we've got like, oh, so I guess at the end when we see her, um, so, uh, Mrs. Bradley is, is the, has left the wedding, has given the, this for this, uh, quartet, her withering gaze and has gotten in her car and shaken out her paper. And the headline we see is like the wall street crash. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's the episode's way of saying like, well, these people <laughs> are all going to get what's coming to them. Right. Like Bertie was a cad. Not only did was he driving the car when Mouse was paralyzed, and then he never called her again, and he's only marrying this other girl for money, which, whoop, plot hole, isn't that Mouse's whole, like, couldn't he have just married Mouse for her money? Like, isn't the whole thing? Like, Mouse has money. That's why her explorer, Bo, was marrying her, was for her money. So if Bernie needs money, anyway, setting that aside, and then like Dorothy and the brother suck. They get engaged. They get engaged immediately following the fiance's funeral. And mm. then they get married, I guess, the next day in secret surprise. And then they bring over the American temptress to further break Mouse's heart because Birdie's a cat and goes for the American temptress and her money. Okay, blah, 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 blah. So Birdie is exonerated of murder, but he's not exonerated of attempted murder (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's a really good point at the end everyone's like my best friend's marrying birdie and no one is telling her that he attempted to murder a paralyzed woman everyone's like oh good luck he just wants your money and she's like lol that's fine i'll keep sleeping with what's his he attempted murder (laughs) statistically speaking the no person is more dangerous to this woman than he is. The person statistically most likely to murder a woman is her husband. He has already attempted murder. Ah! And so I guess the episode punishes him with poverty from the Wall Street crash. But none of the adults involved were like, no, don't marry her because you're an attempted murderer. Tell the fucking cops. He pushed her down the stairs in a wheelchair. I'm done. That's it. That's the one that... That's the one that I will scream about. He did do all of that. However, at the time, he knew she wasn't paralyzed. So he was not attempting to murder a paralyzed person. He was attempting to mar- uh, to murder a person. And he was attempting to murder a person <laughs> so that she wouldn't kill Dorothy. So, like, there are mitigating reasons that are still not good enough to marry the person. Um, but, but certainly, yeah. No, that's an... Excellent, excellent point. And like that to me again just speaks to the heiress. Be like, you know, he's like just like tried to kill someone, right? Like, and you're still gonna marry him. Yeah, but he's dreaming. 
I don't think she knows. And look, he's handsome. Do not get me wrong. Good looking fella. But like, I don't think she knows. And has anyone warned her? I don't know. They they strike me as they're all gossip. She has to know, right? Like there's absolutely no way that Dorothy, who seems, who first of all has some seriously great nightwear. Um, I don't want to talk about it, but like her cap and then her like pink feathery robe, sick. Anyway, um, she's an asshole. So she definitely was like, ooh, well, just so you know. But, but Plus she would be jealous or maybe not. Maybe they don't tell her because they want the money. They want them both to marry rich so that they can continue to have their affair and be rich. Yeah. What I want to know is why didn't they do the old fashioned, I've read so many mysteries. Why didn't they do the old fashioned, oops, I spilled coffee on the paralyzed person who isn't really paralyzed so that they have to stand up right or like oh i dripped wax or oh something like that because that it's a a granted birdie's not the smartest guy but you think that there would be there would be like a a trick you into revealing your secret situation which is usually how it goes um yeah i i i point is i agree put Mm -hmm. that man in jail um do we have any other points we need to make about our death at the opera yeah, well, we haven't talked about my husband. Um, I'm yeah. so glad he didn't do it. I assumed he did when I saw his net. Okay, uh, listeners, those of you who who don't listen to either of the other podcasts I do will be unaware that my husband, in my mind, is David Tennant, um, who I would walk into the sun for, uh, and he is a teeny tiny baby here playing Max Valentine, aka. Massimo Valentino. Valentino. (laughs) Um, The least Italian looking person I've ever seen. Uh, Which I guess is fine because his mom's English. Anyway, um, I would just expected him to be the killer because first of all, they kept dressing him like a vampire. Yeah, Yeah. they did. Yeah, Uh, And second, I mean, it it just seems like whenever David Tennant isn't playing the doctor or like a put upon husband, or I guess like a bereft cop. He's often a bad guy, is my point. David Tennant loves to play a bad guy. Uh, so I just assumed he did it. But no, no, he didn't do it. And neither did his future father-in-law, Peter Davison, as Inspector Christmas. Who comes back in the last episode of the season, by the oh, way. Oh, yay! Did you watch the whole season? No, I just re- read up a little bit about it. Um, but yeah, so he also has, because he has villain hair. Yes. And yeah. villain lighting for yeah. most of it. Uh, they're like, we don't want you to trust. Look at those cheekbones. Don't trust him, right? <laughs> throughout, he's never not skulking. Yeah, yeah. He, he's just incredibly thirsty. <laughs> Which is maybe he's just incredibly thirsty. I was like, first of all, that's that sentence is funnier now, because yeah, he is incredibly thirsty. And second, I love that that's actually true. He just really is incredibly he thirsty. Water. He just he wants to hydrate. He has to learn how to teach art. Like, he's got to stay hydrated. Uh, there was skulking for water in the first episode, too. Just pointing that out. Alistair mm-hmm. or whoever yeah. Was, yeah. was creeping about at night for water. Anyway. Um, yeah, I wanted him to have more to do. Mm-hmm. And I do not think they very elegantly handled the transition to no misunderstood good guy <laughs> when, when that happened. Um, the There was a, like... There was a bunch I thought that was a little shakier construction-wise in the second episode compared to the first episode. Um, but I just 
I, I did enjoy, I did enjoy the proceedings. The art class was hilarious. The, um, like the, the, the calisthenics out on the, the, the yard and like the prop of the car was all uh, very funny. So I, I had a lot of fun with it. And the notion that, uh, Adela just keeps going back to this place. She's like, oh no, I was miserable. Everything was terrible. Thank goodness I got out of here before they actually started believing what they teach. Um, it was just absolutely delightful. So I, I did have a lot of fun with it, but, and obviously, they don't know at the time that they're casting future, you know, international uh, acting icon David Tennant. But like you, like you see Baby Russell Toby, and you're like, oh, he's gonna have two lines, but that's fun. You see David Tennant, you're like, oh, they're casting him to be one of like, you know, you f- it feels it's very like young Jimmy Stewart in The Thin Man Two kind of energy where you're like, oh, we're gonna cast this up and comer in this pivotal role, and then they're like, nope, red hair, red herring instead. Um, and so I, I did want, I wanted a little, I want a little more. From the second episode, or the yeah, from Night of the Opera. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I, there are things about the second episode that I liked a lot stylistically. Like mm-hmm. I thought the skipping record in the death scene was really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, that that whole sequence. I mean, we, she seemed like a terrible person, but like we didn't really learn anything about her. Um, but style it, visually, it was engaging in a way I didn't expect um the hypnosis always a very hackneyed convention that I cannot help but love um Mm. when she was just like I'm just gonna casually gonna hypnotize you because this is a skill that I have with my (laughs) with my watch let's get this Mm. confession going uh that was that was fun implausible but really fun plum is a great name um and a pretty great villain honestly I liked all of that, uh, but mostly I think that this episode gets a, gets a little bumping grade for me for the line. Um, I hope you like Gilbert and Sullivan. Honestly, I wish they'd never met. <laughs> Which I was just like, you know what? Me too. I'm not going to lie, and I and I'm glad that that we are we're wandering away from the Mikado as a society. It's time. We'll always have Topsy Turvy, one of the great movies of the last thirty years, but. Nope. No, nope. we can be done with the Mikado now. I never need to hear Three Little Maids ever again as long as I live. Anytime they're going to use the Mikado, just use Pirates of Penzance. Yeah, use, use Pirates instead. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of questions about most of the logistics of this finishing school. Um, and I may unfairly be trying to conflate a prep school and a finishing school. So, like, I've never been to finishing school. I can't speak on it. But it seems laughably ridiculous. Um. And also the content of the coursework uh, would fill a single day. Um, this is the, how, how strenuous and rigorous is this curriculum? I don't think women would have to attend this school for multiple weeks, let alone multiple years. They walk around with some books. They do deranged calisthenics. Give me a grade. I'm listeners. I'm walking around with a tissue. Yeah, Kate has head. a book on her head. Uh, yeah, they they practice getting in out of a car without flashing anyone with this pervy man helping them. They draw George naked. That I mean, this is the work of a day, and so I'm confused about how this prestigious yet very very ridiculous place exists. Also, Mikado, weird choice for an all girls school with maybe a dozen pupils, maybe a dozen pupils. Um, how did we pick the Mikado? Why did Plum murder the the other teacher, the one who um, is sort of staged as a suicide with her head in the oven? 
why did she kill her? That was my plot hole for this one. That and Michael and I couldn't figure it out. Like she didn't she both murder. find out about her somehow? Like that she that she had been involved? I think we're supposed to impl- in infer that Plum has a pash for her future adoptive sister. Like I mm-hmm. You see what I mean? I'm like, I don't know. I thought it was that the teacher, and I, you know, I could be misremembering. I thought that it was that the, the, the second murder was because she was going to tell the family of the, the Pash, and then they wouldn't adopt her. Oh. Or maybe she's going to tell the family about the kleptomania. Yeah. yeah. Maybe she found out about the kleptomania. Okay. okay. Yeah. Books contain all the treasures of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well is there anything else we want to say about death of the opera which is a really inaccurate title yeah. they're not at the opera they're at a pretty shitty school and it's um, that has a, a couple of notable alumna um <laughs> it's think, a death think, at a recital yeah, bad yeah. recital george and mrs b have a are, have a good uh sleuthing dynamic duo um i enjoy the contraptions yes (laughs) Uh, where do we think that mrs bradley is gonna hang her new piece of artwork i've got three guesses one okay the garage (laughs) (laughs) right like in a place of pride yeah Um, george is gonna come into work one day and his picture is gonna be on the wall he's gonna be like oh boy in an incredibly ornate frame yeah (laughs) Well, or will it have been converted into an oil painting? Is what I want to know. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a study for another artist. <laughs> I love that. Yes, two bathroom, Fa- mm-hmm. the fanciest bathroom directly yep. in front of the toilet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, three next to the enormous painting of Mrs. Bradley that I am sure exists somewhere in her house, <laughs> side by side. <laughs> Offset. So. Yes. Yeah, those are my guesses. Other other guesses. I do yeah, feel I, like it's gonna be ruined from road dust. Like the visual gag of of the paint of the sketch being on the back of the car is great, but I just feel like its effect will be ruined by the time George actually sees it. Mm-hmm. Probably. That's Unless. okay though. Yeah. Well, I think that's gonna do it for us for Mrs. Bradley's the Mrs. Bradley Mysteries, which uh, is the second new Lady Detector show of the week that I'm definitely gonna watch all of. So I feel like we we come out on top, Kate. Yeah. This mm-hmm. week, well, I mean, you had already seen Number One Ladies, but um, but the but the Caldwells are now also on Number One Ladies, so nice. everybody wins. Uh, we are gonna be back on Monday to talk about the penultimate episode of lodge 49 that's right isn't it kate yes it is uh i'm very excited i it's it's i think it's called le rev impossible impossible there we go um i'm very excited uh and noel will be back with us and until then goodbye Bye. bye